105.1, online at kpfa.org. Stone's Throw is next on Cover to Cover. It's 3 o'clock. Happy ending. This is Jennifer Stone with a few words about my show, Stone's Throw, every Tuesday at 3 in the afternoon. I get half an hour to throw myself into this fight. Happy ending, nice and tidy. It's a rule I learned in school. Get your money every Friday. Happy endings are the Divide up those in darkness from the ones who walk in light. Light them up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the This is Jennifer Stone. I hear a cart that I need to update. I'm telling you. Um, Kevin, I was, uh, I was looking here trying to make a new cart. Takes me, it takes me, um, hours to come up with a 60 second promo for what I do. And then, of course, I get on the air and talk for half an hour. <laughs> Without without synthesizing anything, never mind. Today, folks, today is July the 28th, 2015. But it feels to me a little bit more like September the 1st, 1939, when Hitler, you remember, you remember him, <laughs> when he invaded... Um, uh, Poland and uh, that horrific day, the Weimar Republic just faded into history. Those uh, who could fled for their lives. I want to recommend to you uh, some articles about how this may be happening again. Well, of course, it's happening again. Happens over and over again. Uh, the body count is not quite so high, but uh, over time, anyway. We said never again, never again in 1945 there at the end of World War II. No more genocide. Well, uh, it is a never-ending flow of refugees, those who have no safe place. Uh, what think Jimmy Carter called... Um, not just people without a country, but internal refugees. That's more or less what's happening to the Haitians. Now, they apparently are being uh, kicked out of the Dominican Republic. There's a threat of 40,000 human beings. <laughs> it's called it repatriation. Even the children, the Haitian children, are being cast out. But... I did want to recommend to you just two articles that scared me. I hate to be such a old lady coward. They're in the August issue of Vanity Fair. One of them, the first one is Paris is Burning by Marie Brenner. 
And the other one is the Charlie War terrorism, you know. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> the, the free speech notion, you know, uh, 12 dead in that, uh, kosher grocery store. Uh, that article is by Roger Cohen. Once again, Marie Brenner's Paris is Burning and Roger Cohen's The Charlie War in the August 2015 issue of, uh, uh, Vanity Fair. I just want to read you one, one short paragraph in here. This is the one by Marie Brenner, Paris is Burning. Most of it deals with the anti-Semitism, uh, <laughs> interesting, you know. Got a half a million Jews in France and five million Muslims and, oh, let's see, 66 million Frenchmen. Uh, I think the numbers, yes, look at the numbers. Uh, anyway, in this article, Paris is Burning, Marie talks about a, uh, what she says is the face of the French police, a man named Nicolas Comte, C-O-M-T-E. Uh, yes, face of the French police, uh, head of the, uh, Unite SGP Police Union, whatever in the hell that is. Now, let's see. That I'll have to look up. Okay. Uh, he, he seems to be a good guy, uh, more or less. Uh, he, uh, he was in the crowds outside the, uh, uh, the grocery store there in the horror. Uh, but anyway, he talked to, uh, Marie Brenner and she says, uh, he resembles a TV anchor. When we spoke, she writes, he mentioned that the concerns of the Jewish community were crucial to him. Why, I asked. Well, he hesitated. I don't tell many people, but my wife is Jewish. And so are my children. Okay, this guy, Comte, is Catholic. This uh, face of the French police, of course, is Catholic. It's a Catholic country, remember? Mm-hmm. Uh... Like many people in his situation, he now lives what he calls, quote, a bit of a double life in France. He says, quote, I have told all my children, quote, do not let anyone, do not let anyone know you are Jewish. It is a private affair. I will repeat what the man said. Do not let anyone know you are Jewish. It is a private affair. Now, these kids go to school <laughs> in Paris. Anyway, he goes on to say, uh, But my youngest son, recently a bar mitzvah, insists on wearing a small star of David. I let him know my concern. I said, you must be careful. Now, when I go to synagogue, I have a gun that I carry in my coat pocket. So, well, so that no one can see it. <laughs> it has come to that. Okay, we have the face of the French police tucking a gun, a hidden weapon, uh, into his coat pocket. I, uh, 
apparently he doesn't feel free to walk around with a weapon exposed. That's interesting. I wonder what he'd do in Texas. Anyway, uh, I just thought we should give this some, what is it, some attention. I, I have always loved France. I think it's just, you know, well, it's, it's France, you know. Last time I was there, it's a wonderful drunk sitting under a bridge with a big bottle of wine he asked me to share. When he saw that I was from the United States, he, he said, oh yes, <laughs> liberty, equality, fraternity, he said, and waved me over to join him. Anyway, if you remember, Thomas Jefferson bought the Louisiana Territory, uh, for four cents an acre, I think. At the time, it was about one third of the continent. Let's see. Yes. <laughs> four cents an acre. Uh, France sent us our Statue of Liberty. A terrific symbol, you know. Uh, certainly not just liberation, but of the feminine principle. The eternal feminine. Uh, anyway, uh, I can't take it anymore. I think after I read the, these articles, uh, they're very detailed. And I think maybe, maybe next Tuesday I will go into them long enough to get some, some more background. I, I find it overwhelming. Uh, it seems from the, uh, first article, Paris is Burning, that the Jews, half a million of them, are asking themselves, is it time to leave? Now, I am so overwhelmed by all these events and by my existence in this time and place. I, uh, What is the poem? The world is too much with us getting and spending. We lay waste our powers. Yes. <laughs> I just, I think that was written before I was born. I have a very bad case of deja vu lately, you know. We've all done this before. Uh, of course, we do have changes, technology, a new gadget. Every week I look up and <laughs> there's new buttons to push. And, of course, I don't like to complain uh, science has brought us so much relief from pain and suffering. Oh, the gifts of medicine. I wouldn't go back. I wouldn't go back to the time, you know, when the dentists pulled our teeth with, <laughs> without anything but, I guess, whiskey, I remember. Uh, however, when it comes to our, our spirit, our souls, uh, there, I don't know whether things, well, I think they, they have been better, better and worse. Human nature never changes. Our response to these things never changes. Human psychology is a real deep stuff. Always, always human beings look for gods. They look for love, for meaning. Uh, they, uh, <laughs> they find Religion, relationships, betrayals. I guess only the poets and prophets can tell us what it all means. Uh, and of course we suffer 
from chronic otherism, always looking to see who is the enemy, who can we scapegoat. Uh, last night I was in no mood for plays or stories or human narratives, not even for my literary saints, the ones that I count on to tell me uh, who I am, why I am. Uh, people like those 19th century women writers. Uh, I think maybe, I think maybe Emily Dickinson knows uh, at least as much as I do, she had the Civil War to think about. Uh, anyway, you know, humanity is so hard to take, even in the pages of novels. I found myself reading about, would you, <laughs> would you believe animals? Yes, I jumped to animals. All about Eve. Eve's love for the animals. It's in a section of Mark Twain's Diary of Adam and Eve. My all-time favorite fable. Mark Twain wrote about Adam and Eve. And, of course, in his story, they are totally innocent. Totally unselfconscious because they still think like animals. That is, before the fall uh, after the fall, there's something else. I mean, just look around. Mark Twain does, of course, always idolize or idealize Eve. Even after the fall, after she realizes that there's no no reason to love Adams. No, she thinks, it's not on account of his mind that I love him. No, it is not that. He does know any number of things, only they are not so. She finally decides that. She loves him, Adam, simply because he is masculine. Yes, that's it, she says to herself. She says, it's not on account of his singing that I love him. No, his singing sours the milk, but I, I can get used to that sort of milk. Yep. Mark Twain knows all about the feminine mystique of self-sacrifice. Forbearance. Eve says... Well, this is after the fall. Eve says, He told on me. I would have perished first. I would never have told on him. Twain's female is saintly. At the end of the uh, diary, Adam is standing at her grave. And he says, Wheresoever she was, there was Eden. But before the fall, before they became lovers and parents and all the things that we all have to do and become and, <laughs> and uh, go on with uh, century after century, before the fall, there was a time when Adam and Eve had autonomous lives. They were acquainted, you know, with, um, I guess I'd call it reality or nature. <clears throat> they even found each other interesting sort of curiosities uh, to be studied, observed. Adam is a scientist, he says. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, you got to read the diary of Adam and Eve to uh, see what Adam thinks is good science. Anyway, he finds Eve a nuisance at times, but he says that when she's riding on the animals, when he sees her in the brilliant sunlight, she's certainly beautiful to behold. Eve is trance, entranced by the animals. When I first read this wonderful fantasy, I realized that I'd hardly noticed I myself. I had never noticed all these other creatures that share our planet. I, I, I knew they were there, but I didn't see them. I was too busy being a fallen woman, I guess. I've thought about it lately, how incredibly beautiful the animals are. All their ways and their manners. Uh, there's a lion wandering around the street somewhere in Wisconsin. I heard it on the radio. I don't know what they're going to do, but I don't think they're going to invite him to dinner. Uh, they say he's a lion. They're not quite sure. Anyway, uh, animals have these astonishing skills and talents. Twain's Eve describes how well they fit her, you know, for riding so smooth with all that fur on her bottom. She leads great herds, vast numbers of uh, animals of every sort. I do remember a period of time, a few years before my adolescence, yes, before puberty when animals... Seems special to me. Yes, before the fall. I had a horse at 13 and 14, and I had a monkey when I was 12. I had a goat, uh, all the usual cats and dogs, rabbits and guinea pigs, fish and frogs. I had a mule, no kidding, a mule when I was six. I, I rode the mule up to uh, Mount Lemon in Tucson there. <laughs> yes. Ah, uh, anyway... I had this shoebox full of horny toads. They were profound, yes. They were so primal. I thought, you know, that they were little tiny miniature dinosaurs. Exquisite little horny toads with the little, little sharp horns there and the, over the, the eyes and the, the bellies had this texture of sand. Uh, these little critters can shoot blood from between their eyes. And I had, I had a Gila monster. Yes, poisonous, yes. And a rattlesnake or two. I kept the skin. I had it mounted. Oh dear. Oh yes, I was, I was uh, primitive. I kept snake vertebrae and dried them out in the sun, you know, string them up for a necklace. In Tucson, the animals were cool. Down in La Jolla, that Southern California beach down there, the neighbors didn't care for the animals, especially the goat and the monkey. That got me into real trouble. You know, people don't like all that mess. But when I was then old enough to fall in love with a cowboy, uh, the horse, for example, that was just a prop. These days, I've only got one cat left. Her name is Dementia. I read in the papers this month that the Queen of England, Elizabeth II, she has only two of those little dogs she loves. 
two elderly corgis. She used to have at least a dozen. She's 88 years old now, and she says she doesn't want to leave any behind. Now that's planning. (laughs) Queen Elizabeth never stopped relating to animals, horses especially. There's a film about Elizabeth II, the one with Helen Mirren. Uh, There's a scene in which she's driving Elizabeth is driving alone out in the Scottish Highlands uh, at Balmoral. I guess her car gets stuck and she has to wait for somebody to come and help her. She walks a little bit there and sees a great stag. Oh, it's one of those movie moments you never forget. Uh, If you have ever seen a wild deer or any wild creature, you know, Watching them when they don't see you, you never forget it. Of course, it may often be a dangerous encounter, and don't forget that either. Uh, This Eden experience is hard to come by these days. I just know. I let it go too soon, and it's hard to get it back. Uh, Books are my personal friends forever, but animals... Our fellow creatures, so mysterious we could never, ever learn all there is to know about them. The dolphins are so magical, so beautiful, they make me believe our species was once aquatic. Yes, aquatic evolution, it's a new theory. Uh, They say maybe about, oh, 30 million years ago. (laughs) No, no, no. There are several new theories, though, about primates, primates that became aquatic during uh, a certain stage of our evolution. Uh, Certainly makes sense to me. I have several books on the subject. Uh, Anyway, elephants. Elephants today break my heart. They are so sensitive, it seems they can detect landmines. How about that? Uh, they can even warn the herd about the landmines. Now, this is not this is not about trained elephants. It seems they can just pick up the vibes. Oh dear me, I I did mean to talk about the the fate of or the state of our species. Process a little history. You know that line about the deja vu all over again and circles and. Cycles and yes, Gertrude Stein said, The world is round. Time, time, when will you be done tormenting me with time? Ah, the end of time. Does it end? Does it even pass? Or is it just us? Just the plants and the animals pass? Just these biological units, the flora and fauna. Every millennium we evolve and become something quite different. (laughs) Things are different in France, as I said. Oh, my God, I just can't stop thinking about those two articles. Yes, that police chief in Paris telling his son not to mention being Jewish. Think about it. Do you remember Charlie Chaplin's little Jewish barber? (laughs) 
that Catholic police chief with the Jewish wife. I can think of six movies with that scenario. Uh, how come it hasn't changed? Uh, how come we're still doing that stuff anyway? According to this article, Paris is burning. French Jews are leaving for Israel. And some very, uh, very activist ones are going. This is kind of scary. They're just giving up, saying that nothing they have done has changed things. And uh, it is time to leave. Paris is burning. We thought we would never go back to anti-Semitism. Now, you know that the the latest, the latest historical, historical catastrophe is fundamentalism of all kinds. Uh, Muslim fundamentalism is in the article Charlie's War. Uh, that's the tale of the 12 murders uh, last year. Uh, now the magazine, the magazine tries to, tries to, uh, not it, it tries to explain the ways in which the money that's pouring into uh, the magazine has become a problem. Thirty-three million it says here it could be eighteen million, according to <laughs> one authority. Another one says thirty-three million, and uh, I think that is probably the the cruelest result. Uh, that Jewish grocery, that kosher deli, I guess. Uh, and one more brainwashed gunman. <laughs> he didn't know how to use a computer, according to this article. Wonderful article. What did he say? He said, the prophet has given me an order. He yelled for help with his computer. And a guy who's an expert there, he has the... Uh, well, they call him Andre. He doesn't want to be. <laughs> Once again, he's hiding. He doesn't want to be revealed. He's afraid they'd come and kill him. But this guy helped the terrorists to use the computer. At the same time, of course, he was trying to wire things up so that they could get some help. Uh, now, I see a terrific Hollywood movie coming out of this. Uh, this computer whiz is going to be a star, you know. I mean, the actor who plays this computer whiz that not aids the gunman, let's say, guides the gunman. They connect. They even get to the point where the young man tried to justify himself. He says that, uh, well, he says that he is not just serving the prophet. He knows what is right and good. And he wanted this a computer guy to agree with him. Anyway, the computer guy says that he was part insecure student, and part brainwashed, uh, uh, I wouldn't say activist, because of course he died in the final uh, shootout. Uh, I say again, a half million Jews... Five million Muslims, 66 million Frenchmen, 
can't all be wrong. I suggest you look them up again. Vanity Fair for August. And it's Paris is Burning and Charlie's War. Marie Brennan wrote the first. And the second one is written by Roger Cohen. C-O-H-E-N. Roger Cohen wrote the Charlie War. And Paris is Burning is Marie Brennan. This has been Jennifer Stone. Till next Tuesday at the same time, go easy. And if you can't go easy, what the hell don't go? Light em up, boys. There's your picture. Drop the shadows out of Bernstein, host of Flashpoints here on KPFA. Just in case you haven't noticed, I'd like to point out that you haven't heard me asking for your support this summer. We promised you that we would try to cut down on pledge drives this year, and now we're delivering on that promise. No summer fun drive. We know how fatigued you are with being asked to donate so often. And we also realize we're taking a chance, like walking a high wire without a net to deliver on the bargain we've made. You've done your part. You've been patient with us and very generous, and we owe you this fun drive free summer. We couldn't have done it without you. So enjoy the summer, and we'll be back in the fall with a tremendous fun drive of great new thank you gifts and information you can only get at 94.1 FM. For you listeners who appreciate our efforts to reduce the fun drive days and are able to support us right now, you can donate now at KP.